Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I welcome back returning guest, photographer Jesse Dittmar. Jesse is a commercial and editorial photographer based in New York City and has worked with clients such as Vanity Fair, The New York Times, Spotify, and Apple, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Jesse about his new work in the NFT digital art space. Jesse explains what an NFT is, his experience turning his work into an NFT, the process of buying and selling NFTs, and much, much more. I also speak to Jesse about some of his new personal work and how he's been approaching marketing his work during the pandemic. I was really interested to hear about Jesse's work within the NFT space and everything he's been up to. So I hope you enjoy and thanks so much for listening. All right. Welcome back. We got Jesse Dittmar, returning guest. We're here to talk about photography, NFTs, whatever else, man. Um, excited to talk to you. I know you reached out the other day. You you delved into this new frontier of NFTs. I guess to start off, man, I guess like what made you want to kind of get into this new NFT thing? When did you first start hearing about it? Like, how did you kind of get into it, I guess? The, fu- the future is here, Alex. That's right. It's here. <laughs> it's here. We're living in it. Um, yeah, it's really exciting, man. Non-fungible tokens. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they are here. They are the future. Um, I kind of got into it because of this thing called NBA Top Shots. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yep. Um, but it's like digital trading cards for the NBA and their NFTs. And um, and I, I dived into that like in January, in early January. And then I had, because of that, like in that space is before that I was like in the crypto space a little bit. Like, I mean, I'm not like, yeah, you know, this has been, uh, you know, I, I'm somewhere in between complete noob and like someone who's way too far into this. You're, so you're, you're, a you dabble, know, you're a dabbler, you're dabbling. I'm dabbling. I know pretty good amount about the space. I'm no expert, but yeah. I'm no novice. Yep. Um, so like, I've been like seeing what crypto has been all about for a few years which has been kind of exciting, but you know, I'm like most people in which if the barrier to entry into something is super high, I'm like not super into it, you know, like, it, cause I got stuff going on, you know? Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> so like, that's what, that's what's been, that's what crypto has been like. It's like been kind of annoying and hard to get into, but that's changing now. And that's changing pretty rapidly, especially in specifically in the, in the crypto currency space. Um, and so then when NBA Top Shots came around for NFTs, that was like super easy. Did you and, buy, have you bought have you bought any of the top shots? Yeah, dude. Right. Yeah, man. I'm in. I got in earlier than the like the big wave. So I got like a couple things like really cheap that are like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have like anything worth like life-changing amounts of money, but um I definitely have a couple couple moments. Yeah, okay, it's so yeah. silly. You talk about this stuff and like yeah, and maybe I gotta explain it better for like people listening. Yeah. NBA top shots, because I've seen it. Essentially, you're basically buying like it's almost like you're buying a gift file instead of buying like a uh like a trading card of LeBron James or your favorite basketball player, you're essentially bu- buying like a like a moment in a game, like LeBron James like dunking the ball. And yeah. um, and is it like are certain like uh the top shot things more expensive because it's like LeBron James playing like I don't know a certain team or like whatever it's a special game or the the two primary factors are who the player is and then also the rarity of the edition. 
And the things still, the, those things also translate exactly to NFTs in the art space, yeah. which is the reason why something's valuable in the art space is who's the person who made it yeah. and how many of the things did they make mm-hmm. that you, that you own. So, you know, when I was getting the NBA top shot stuff, I was also seeing what was happening in the art world a bit because there's a lot of crossover there. And then there's all of a sudden Christie's is auctioning off uh, an NFT from this dude, Beeple. That's going million. for like $69 million. <laughs> and like, and, and you're just like, what the heck is going on here? And, and, I got, you know, the money thing is interesting, but, you know, and obviously like that's where the headlines are at. But to me, it's the underlying technology that's super, super cool. And specifically with my work, why I got so excited about it was I was making, I started making these moving portraits. I started making these portraits that are are motion, but they're not, you know, they're not videos, but, you know, so there's not like, they don't belong on YouTube, Mm -hmm. you know, like, cause they're like little quick vignettes of someone. It's kind of like, what would happen if my pictures moved and in the in-between moments in between the, the actual photo, f- photograph frame. And I, and I loved it for my website. I loved it for my Instagram. Like it felt so organic to the, to the mediums that I was showing my work in so much. You know, the reason why I started doing those was because my, before that, the best way to see my work was if you bought my book, yep. like that was the best medium for my work, but not everyone has my book and, mo- and I can't make a new book every two months, you know? Uh, so I started doing these moving portraits because it was like, oh, these things work really well on the digital space. But then you're like, okay, well, what do I do with these things? I mean, I'm not even like reselling them. Like, like uh, you know, magazines and newspapers and digital online publications aren't even picking them up yet. Yep. Like there's no, they're, they're, they look good in the, in the places that I'm showing them. But then I hear about NFTs and I'm like, holy crap, you can sell a GIF like this is a way to prove ownership of of these portraits and not even just the the selling part but like the fact that you can make create something that that it can imply ownership that it like much like a photographic print but in the digital space that's what really got me excited i was like oh this 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 would fit perfectly with some of the work i'm making um and then I started exploring it further and I like took the leap of like actually making it happen. And I mean, I could talk about the process and what these, you know, NFT art, what NFT art really is. Like we can get into it. Cause I'm sure if someone who doesn't know what we're talking about is probably like, what the this heck? is way over their head, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So they we can get into like, it. Yes. He's at his computer, like pushing numbers, like zeros yeah. and ones. And like... <laughs> it's not that. No, it's, it's, that's the thing. It's beyond that stage. Uh, yeah. It's not yet at like the, it's not yet at the like Venmo stage where yeah. you can like type in someone's name and send them money, yeah. you know? Um, but when I first heard about Venmo, I was like, what the hell is this? You know, like yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's in, it's in a stage where you can really see the writing on the wall where it's going to be not necessarily collecting crypto art, but the idea of NFTs, which is not just art. NFTs are, you know, if we want to talk about like the real, real basics, like NFTs, non-fungible tokens, they are basically serial numbers yep. on the blockchain. The blockchain is basically a public ledger. It's like a big notebook that that everyone has access to, um, anyone can see. So you have these serial numbers that are being transacted, that are being, 
you know, written down on this ledger that's going back and forth between all these computers, that serial number applies to a specific thing. Yeah. It can be, it can be a song. It can be, it can be a, it can be something in the physical world. You can say like, Hey, I own this house. This house corresponds to this NFT. If I want to sell my house, you have to buy the NFT from me. Yeah. Like was, that's where this could go. Oh yeah. I was talking um, to my friend who's a super crypto nerd and he's like, yeah, in the future, all contracts are going to be on the blockchain because you'll be able to like, you you know, it's there and you can access it instead of like what we do now. Like people are some sending like PDFs and signing forms. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right, Alex. And that's, what's so interesting about this from a bigger perspective. It's like, I think that the way that photographic prints are going is that like, if I want to buy an Annie Leibovitz picture and I'm going to spend some serious money on it, I want the NFT to the print because then I can prove in the future that this print came from Annie, that I can see who owned it between where it originated to where it is now. And there's no, there's no forgery. There's no such thing as forgery at that point. You know, as long as you can confirm that the person who created the object, because it gets created by a wallet. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, again, these are terms that people might be a little bit, but like you can see where when you go look at my work on my, on my OpenSea and see my NFTs there, you can see that they came from the Ditmart yep. Ether wallet, yep. right? So as long as I'm the guy that you think owned the Ditmart Ether wallet, like then you know that's where they came from. So yeah. like someone could try to impersonate me to be me or Annie or whatever, but like as long as it's established that it came from that thing then you see what happened to it for its entire lifespan of as long as the internet's around, you yeah. know? I remember, um, I remember going to like, as a kid, we, me and my dad used to, we were big into collecting baseball cards and stuff. And we'd go to like these like hotel conference rooms and you, yeah. they see like a flea market and you'd pick up, you could buy baseball cards and memorabilia and they would have like a, certificate of authenticity authenticity. what the fuck does that even mean what does that mean what is that (laughs) but this is the real that you know this is the like hey you know gronkowski uh rob gronkowski from from the uh, the bucks Mm -hmm. um just sold his first nft you know from him and it's like the same thing could be true with anything any more memorabilia coming from him it's like if it comes from his account then you know it's from him and as long as you can as long as he says he owns that account you know um so therefore all that stuff goes away you know like and and it kind of like starts to blur the line between like what's more valuable the digital the digital item or the or the physical item um which is its own which is its own thing but um but you know i i think that it's 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 this really exciting space to be a part of you know and uh i agree like i think photo contracts in the future you know like it, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be driven on the, on, on ETH, uh, Ethereum contracts on the blockchain, you know, uh, or, or some version of that, whatever, you know, it might yeah. not be that exact thing, but uh, it's going to be something with the underlying technology. Yeah, definitely. And like, how's it work? So like, you have like some NFTs of like Tom Brady and like, I think Serena Williams up there. Um, so like when someone purchases one of your NFTs, do they like download it? And then at that point, could they take that NFT and make prints of it? Or like, how does it work when someone purchases it and like actually takes possession of it, I guess? Those are a little bit two different questions. So like you have to think about the NFT space as like, it's literally a digital art gallery. So like if you were going into an art gallery in, 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 uh, you know, in Chelsea, that was, that was 
hosting my work and you bought something off the wall, you could take it off the wall and bring it to your home, but you can't like go make prints of that and sell them. True. You know, you're not, you're not buying the, um, you're not buying the copyright. You're buying the physical item. Um, and so that, that's the second part of your question. The first part of your question is how does it get to you? I mean, without, I don't want to get into like the technical, technical stuff because it's like pretty math heavy and I'm, and I'm not an expert, but basically it's a transaction where I'm taking money from you, ether, like, uh, Ethereum, um, ETH from you and you're taking the code of the item from me and they're being transacted between our two wallets at exactly the same time. Yep. And, uh, and so therefore until the trans, once the transaction completes mm-hmm. the, the things you see in here, which are basically my wallet, yep. it goes to your wallet and it's no longer in here. Yep. And now I have your money. And so it's kind of like an eBay transaction, but there's no third party. That's the thing that's kind of hard to wrap your head around mm-hmm. is that there's no like OpenSea, the, the platform that these are being listed on. Yep. They're not taking your money and taking my object and then switching us. Yep. They're, they're running a math code that basically is saying once this completes, Jesse has money, Alex has Tom Brady. Yep. And so it's it's a little complicated, but but basically it's going from if you want to get down to the, the the real basics, you have to have a wallet in order to do this. You have to have a a, 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 a Ethereum wallet or like a crypto wallet, mm-hmm. which is like kind of like a more expansive idea of a real wallet. You know, and you could do that like, like on like Coinbase, kind of. Is that kind of well? No, that's just Coinbase, like an exchange. Coinbase is an exchange. Coinbase is like a place you go, like going to an ATM. Yeah, and. And you say, hey, I want to buy Ether. I want to buy Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And then you put it in your wallet, which for OpenSea is MetaMask. But there's a bunch of different wallets. I mean, I have a couple myself, like from different places. And they're all, di- that's that's the frustrating part about this, Alex, is we're at a spot now where it's like, this stuff hasn't been combined yet. Like, yeah. you know, like, you know, you, you haven't been able to figure out how to like make all of this really easy into one step. Right now, it's like four steps. Mm-hmm which sucks, but, um, but yeah, you have a wallet that's yours. You go to a place like Coinbase, you buy crypto, you put it in your wallet. Once it's in your wallet, you can go here and say, Hey, I'm going to bid 0.01 ether, which is like almost 20 bucks on Mm -hmm. Tom Brady. Um, and then at the end of the auction, which is in two weeks, whoever bid the most, has the nft now and it's a one of one you know like there will will never be another one made of it um which is is crazy to think about it the whole thing like you know it listen like four months ago five months ago i didn't have my head wrapped around this and i and and it was a little bit nuts and it was like i don't really understand what's going on but now that i'm kind of in it it makes a ton of sense and like it it's just it's kind of like what I imagine it must have been like when credit cards first existed, mm-hmm. you know, like when people were like, well, what is it? You, you Where's have this, Where's this, where is it? You know, like <laughs> exactly. And I feel like it's the same thing. Like for us, for, for people who are anywhere above like a teenager, yep. this is like just bonkers. <laughs> and, but like in a, my kids, like when my kids are like 25, they're going to be like whipping out their brain chips and, and with their phones and like, transacting with crypto yeah um and it's going to be like ownership is going to mean something different in that time i think 
Yeah. Uh, so it's just like it, a, it's a little nuts. It's just like a new store of value. It's like whatever yeah. people uh, attribute whatever this is worth. Like, why is gold worth this much? Is because we we say it's worth this much, and now you have cryptocurrency. Exactly. It's a new store of value, and uh, yeah, it is. It is interesting. And what was like the process of like? So you have your photos, like you shot this photo of uh, Tom Brady on, I think, Hasselblad. So you yeah. take your photo and you want to turn it into an NFT. From what I've read and talked to people, a lot of these platforms um, are kind of usually like invite only, I think, to basically, they essentially, I think they call it like minting your your artwork into an NFT. Yeah. Like what's that process? Yeah, that's another thing about the space because it's really early. There's a lot of different platforms. There's no one platform that is the uh, that is the um, kind of arbiter of the space. Um, there's Nifty Gateway, which is you have to be invited, and that's where a couple of the big big artists are on. Then there's like Rareable and Mintable and OpenSea. And the biggest the reason why I chose OpenSea is because of the because uh, of the cost of entry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the thing is, it's not it's not just like the process is much more complicated than just uploading um, an image into uh, into this platform and then you can have it for sale. You have to have your own wallet to start with, just like much like, um, you know, much much like if you want to be able to purchase it with a wallet, you have to have a wallet in order to have, have these items. Yep. Um, and so for that was the first thing I had to do was get a wallet. Then I bought the, um, the Ether name for my name um, to make it, more official so that people were sent if they're going to send me money it's going to go to ditmar.eth uh, and that's like buying a domain name mm-hmm. and that's not necessary a necessary step if you're an artist but it, it definitely helps like the paper trail and helps people feel i would say it's like owning just like, ditmar.com yeah it's like branding it's just like branding people, yeah exactly yeah and so that costs like i think a little over 100 bucks to like okay. own the domain name of whatever of ether mm-hmm. um of ditmar.eth and then and then I had to make these items, like these gifts, like some of these, you know, that, that it's its own process, which everybody can go through, um, which doesn't have anything to do with like, you know, open sea or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so the big, the big hurdle that you'll find when you're trying to, trying to mint and then sell NFTs is this, is this thing called a gas or the fees. Yep. They're called gas fees. Um, it's basically, it's basically the cost of, of computing power of turning your items into code mm-hmm. um, of saying like, there's a code associated with this moving portrait that you're looking at right now. Yep. Uh, and with OpenSea, it's a one-time gas fee, which was like 170 bucks. Okay. And then I can, and then I can sell as much as I want. Uh, and, and do you pay that fee on every image that you No. Uh, okay. That's why I chose get OpenSea because on other platforms like Rarible, you pay gas for every single item and it adds up quick and it gets really expensive. But on OpenSea, you basically pay gas for the ability to sell. You don't even pay gas for the ability to mint, which is really nice. Um, So so you can mint and get this whole thing set up and nothing's for sale and doesn't cost you anything. Wow. Um, Except for the costs of getting Ethereum into your wallet. but then once you want to sell something, then you get that 170 or whatever the gas fee tag uh, price is. And okay. then, and then you pay that once and then you can put anything up for sale. Mm-hmm. Um, it costs money to take it down apparently. Mm-hmm. And those are, if you think about it, these, tra- these costs make sense because you're, you're basically paying for someone to do the com- computation power, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, to do the computing 
to say, hey, if someone buys this, the, we can make the transaction happen. Um, and if you want to take it off that ledger, you know, you have to you, you have to do computation to take it off. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but those other platforms it can get really pricey really quickly. But then the negative of being on OpenSea from a from an artist perspective, from my perspective, is is that it's just not user friendly. You know, like you're clicking around here and it looks really pretty and the and the and the um, yeah. interface is really nice. But if you try to click buy, buy now on this and you're not set up, like you just can't. And it oh, takes yeah. you it takes you a couple days to get set plugged up. in to the NFT space. And yeah. that's the biggest to be a purchaser or to be a artist. Yeah. And that's just like linking your credit card to your Amazon. You account. Can't. Yeah. 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 And, and it's because the space is so young mm-hmm. and no one, it, it makes sense why it hasn't been figured out from like a security perspective. Yep. Um, you know, because this is not like a credit card transaction, a credit card transaction, you're going, you, you need visa to say, Hey, if Jesse doesn't, if Alex doesn't have the money in my, in his account, yep. I'm still giving you this money. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, but your credit card has like a $20,000 limit or whatever. And it's just like, it like, just because you can pay with a credit card doesn't mean that money's in your bank account. If yep. you can pay for an NFT, an art NFT or an NBA top shot or whatever, yep. like you have the money, you have to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more like a debit card, but one that's public, like everyone can know how much money I have in my dip account. Yeah. Um, it's public, it's public ledger. Yeah. So, you know, it's complicated, dude, like there's positives and negatives right now. I, I think the big takeaway for me is that like, th- it's coming, like this is the beginning and it's going to get easier and, and the gas is going to get cheaper and and I love all these is, terms, man. The gas, yeah. and the ether. Like, <laughs> people think you're speaking like a foreign language. <laughs> I know, and and but then you know what, dude? It's like I'm not. I, I haven't been spending hours and hours and hours yeah, researching this shit. Yeah, and it like yeah. When you first hear this stuff, you're like, what the hell? What <laughs> like what is this? And then you know what? Like you go through it. Like you buy. Like the first step is like go on your Robinhood account, go on your yeah. PayPal account, and just buy some. Bitcoin or e- or e- Ethereum, mm-hmm. like then then that's the first thing. Then you're like, okay, now I'm seeing what's happening in Bitcoin every day, and they're like, you're like, okay, I understand that this is like a currency that's fluctuating, and it's like step one, right? Yeah. But those platforms, they don't allow you to send and receive mm-hmm. cryptocurrencies. They just allow you to like own a stake of them. It's like a little bit fake. And then the next step is to go on to Coinbase or Gemini, which is pretty user friendly and actually buy the currency. Yeah. Um. And, and you can kind of dip your toe into each of these things without, as long as you don't have something that you really want to do, you know, like if you, if you want to get NFTs up as an artist, as a photographer, it's like, you know, you can take it slow. Like, you know, like no one's turning in the next people overnight. Like I'm not selling these things (laughs) for, for, yeah, I know. Like, I don't think I'm selling these things for a hundred ETHs, like a hundred ETH is like, you know, which would be, I don't know, like over a million dollars you know because yeah, like, like from what i read for the most part though i think right now the popular um like uh categories of like um the digital art space is like um or, or the nfts is like more digital art i think the photography is so new there's not a lot of it out there because yeah. all the stuff that's been selling it's more like kind of like graphic artists and more digital based art rather than like the kind of stuff we're doing so it seems like there is a lane for photography but it, it seems uh there's not a ton of it yet 
It, yeah, I, I don't know any photographers by myself, uh, but except for myself, that are in this that are in the space that are like legitimate photographers. Um, my buddy, I mean, my I, buddy I, Trevor Paulus in Texas, great photographer. He just got into it too, and he's a full cool. NFT nerd. He's fucking yeah. He's going wild on it. Yeah, yeah. He might be more of a nerd than me. I mean, I'm just like this is all fresh knowledge for me. So, mm. um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are, but yeah. I, I haven't like seen yeah, any yeah. big name yeah, photographers jump yeah. in. Um. And I think really that it's going to be, yeah, right now, like the funny thing about the space right now is it's kind of a joke. Like, like the, the guy people, the most, the most famous, like most, the richest artist in the space. Like he's his, if you hear listen to his interview, I think he did an interview on um, planet money or one of those like big podcasts. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't know. I kind of think my artwork sucks. <laughs> he was like, I can't believe people pay $69 million for this crap. <laughs> was he like heavy and in the crypto space? Like for not lot? really. I mean, like, you know, you go listen to yourself, but like, he, he sounds just like a dude that was like, you know, one of the first people in and like, and his art, you know, I don't want to like be too like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to like shit on someone too hard, but like, you know, I don't, it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, it's, it's a lot of like art like revolving around Bitcoin and art revolving around, like, I mean, the biggest thing in the space besides NBA top shots is called crypto kitties. It's like, oh, you know, it, my brother, the first 10 NFTs are like these little heads and they're like, yeah, they look like, they look like digital art from like, uh, like your first computer from like 1995 yeah. and they're like selling for crazy money. Yeah, dude. And, and it's, so it's like a weird space that kind of feels like a joke, but you know, it takes, that's how like fat, that's how things start. Like people like just don't understand mm -hmm. and they're kind of jokes and like, they they become serious when they're at the point now where people are like oh my god people are spending a hundred thousand dollar on an nba top shot oh my yep. god people are spending 69 million on a people like then real people start like not like then people with real money yep. who are not joking uh get in the space and and i feel like if you get in now as a photographer you're probably not going to make you know you're probably not going to be the next people but for me i feel like it's just a great way to be in a space where I can sell work that I can't sell on prints, mm -hmm. A, and then I can sell, I can verify ownership of people purchasing their work. Like when I make my next book, you know, I might, I, I might do a edition of like one of 50 NFTs okay. of the book. Yeah. And it's like, you own the book and the corresponding NFT. And like, that way there's no possibility that book was forged by me. Like as long as you own the NFT and the book, like boom, you own and, the thing. And the best thing about these NFTs, one of the aspects of it is I believe you can set up your NFTs. So every time your NFT is resold, you get a cut on every sale. Uh, which yes. is like in the past, like if you just buy, if you sell your artwork at some gallery, you, you make whatever your fee is and then it's on its way and the owner owns it and they want to resell it. They make the money. But now every time it changes hands to a new owner, you get a cut. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is that aspect. I mean, listen, I'm not, I haven't, I, I just opened my gallery this week, so mm. I haven't sold anything yet. And then my first thing I'm doing is, is the Brady, which is a two week auction. Yep. Um, so, so once that sells and I see how the, the fees go, um, I'll, I'll be able to speak more to that in, in two weeks, but, um, but yeah, it's an option on open sea. You know, I get 10%, apparently I get 10% of every sale of that Brady until 
forever or my wallet does my wallet does at least yeah um so that's like a really cool aspect you know that's a way for like artists to make sure they're not like completely losing ownership of of the value of of what they've created uh and i love that um and the reason why that can happen alex is because of the technology again it's a public ledger Mm -hmm. the blockchain is a public ledger like it's impossible for me to transfer ownership of the tom brady to another person without it being known Yep. Uh, you can gift it to them. They don't have to buy it, but, but if you gift it to them, they own it. Everyone sees that that happened. And so like, I could see like things like kind of people getting around that like 10% thing, if they like do the transaction off, you know, and, yeah. and then just gift it to people. But, um, but for the most part, like it's, it's possible to do that because there's no, there's no, um, it's all, it's just fully transparent, which is wild. Yeah. I think it's smart, man, like to use these new technologies. Cause I think in the past, like it's easy to brush your nose up at some new technology because it's new, it's different. And you're like, ah, oh, that's kind of weird or whatever. And like, yeah. I've been having all these conversations lately. I don't know if you've dabbled in Clubhouse yet, uh, which is an <laughs> interesting new platform. There's a ton of photographers on there and like great photographers. Like I've been having conversations with like Chris Buck and like all these agents and different photographers. And the thing people keep arguing about is like, oh, yeah, the, we got to charge more. We got to charge more. It's like, yeah, of course, like everyone wants to charge more, but it's hard to do that when the market's like oversaturated. So in my mind, the way that you can like find new ways of income is like using these new technologies, be it NFTs or whatever. So it's this, uh, it is, it seems like a smart move, man, just to try, try something different and find new avenues to sell your artwork. Cause it's, uh, as you know, the assignment game, especially editorial, uh, the rates aren't going up, man. <laughs> no, it ain't no. Actually, the LA Times just raised their rates, which I was I was uh, impressed. <laughs> All right, with. Uh, but uh, but it's it's still uh, you know it's not living it's not living wages uh, um, level of for any any publication. Yeah, um, you're not you're not you're not making rent on uh, a couple of uh, assignments a month no, um, no. for many of these places. But yeah, no, you're right. It's a, it's a it's a great new avenue, um, and it's just. It just seems like uh, I recommend any photographer to get into it because it just seems like this is a language they're going to have to speak mm-hmm. in order to be part of the art space moving forward. You know, um, whether you need to be fluent in it or someone who represents you needs to be fluent in it. But like, you know, I see gal- if there's any gallery or gallery photographers out there, like I see galleries soon requiring NFTs with the sale of the physical objects i just see it happening and and you know like do you need to know that about that in order to make your art Eh, maybe not but uh, i'll tell you like it ain't gonna hurt being in front of the line here yeah and it's just so great because it it just it, it makes you the boss because like forever like artists have to like pound the pavement and try to get their foot in the door at these big galleries to get their name out there but now it's like you're cutting the middleman out. Like if you have good artwork and you can whatever find out, have a following and people find your stuff, like you don't yeah. have to, you don't have to, you are the gallery. You're the gallery, yeah. you're the artist, you're everything. It's totally. It's, yeah. Which is absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I love, I mean, that's definitely, that's like a thousand percent happening. And, um, you know, it just makes you, it, it's just cool, man. I'm just, I'm just like, you know, without sounding like too, Hey man, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's an exciting space, you know, especially, you know, I don't know. It's like the first time I've ever been in, inside, inside like a something 
where it's like, holy, holy, holy crap. Like I'm not the first one in here, but I'm one of the first ones in here. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone's going to be in here soon. Whoa. Like I've never been in a, been in a space like that where I had that kind of like realization. Like I'm usually the one, someone thinking like, Hey, can I pay you on Venmo? And I'm like, what's yeah, Venmo? Definitely. You know? <laughs> uh, and like, I remember that happening the first time I got paid on Venmo, you know, like you just being <laughs> like, well, well, what is this thing? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of exciting. And, uh, and, and it, it, yeah, like you said, it's, it's another, it's just another Avenue that makes a lot of sense for photographers to take ownership of their work um, and be able to be able to, you know, monetize their, their, their following and their uh, you know, if people, you know, like the podcast, man, like, you know uh, you know, you got, you got people that love what you do. Mm-hmm. And this is just another way for, for you to kind of be able to connect with those, with those fans. And, um, and same thing with me and my following on, on Instagram, I've already gotten like a great, uh, response from people just being really excited that this exists of my work, you know? Uh, so it's just like nothing, but, um, nothing but positive to me so far. I mean, it's definitely like, it takes a little, like, it's not free. So, you no, know, it's like, an investment. Anything is, an investment. you gotta, you gotta invest in yourself to, you know, make moves, whatever it's like printing a new portfolio or like going to show yeah. it to somebody. Yeah, you always got to invest in yourself. For Man, remember portfolios? Yeah, dude, I, dude, I made, I spent like fucking $2,000 like a year ago on a new one and then the world shut down. Oh, dude, <laughs> that's, that's so unlucky. That's so unlucky. Yeah, I still got it. It looks nice. So if we ever get back yeah. to meeting people in person. Hey, I'm, when you get back to meeting people, it'll, it'll, uh, uh, it'll it'll listen i think there's gonna be i hope god i hope there's gonna be like a major a, a major swing back where people are like i need physical contact oh, uh, so then the portfolios will be uh back back in action for sure yeah i was, um, in, I was in, in talking to you that like how have you been doing this last year because it has been uh, definitely a tough year in, in all types of uh, respects but like how have you been navigating your business and kind of still like marketing your work because that's been a tough thing because i know like i know like myself like you used to go show your book as much as you could like i think when i interviewed yeah. you last time you're like dude i try to sh- do like 50 meetings a year it might have been more i forget I had 150 it. yeah yeah yeah, whatever but yeah no, like how have you been able to navigate like still marketing your work in this time where you can, you really can't do print mailers because no one's in the office unless you have yeah. the home address or something you can't meet people in person so like how yeah. have you kind of been keeping it moving i guess there's been zoom meetings for sure um that's kind of gone through waves of uh people being into them and then people not being into them and like getting a little zoom fatigue and then coming back yep. um so i've done some zoom meetings for sure um i've been like crushing my newsletter uh you know i'm making sending out a newsletter every week uh wow, to, every week to, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, because I, I'm a little lucky, like I'm a little lucky, I'm extremely lucky. I've got like a really big catalog mm-hmm. and my work also, um, doesn't have a lot of timestamps on it. Like you can't really tell when I took these pictures. And so when something relevant happens to someone I photographed, I mean, it feels fresh to people that haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, and so that's really been helpful for, for my, for, you know, my kind of like keeping things fresh and people, keeping people interested in my work. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, there's frankly a lot of work that I've never shown before that I've been able to get out there and push out there. Um, that's been exciting. And then I've continued to make work, you know, I definitely have like, I've started a couple of personal projects, uh, in the last year that I'm really excited about. And I've continued to get assignments. I've continued to, you know, we, we the industry has certainly shrunk, but, um, which is crazy to say, cause it's already was so small, but, yep. um, but 
people have figured out how to make work, you know, mm-hmm. like people are, the work is still happening. There's less of it. Yeah. Um, but it's still happening. I mean, and, and obviously being a portrait guy and meeting face-to-face contact with people has been a, a negative, um, for, for the current situation that we're in. Uh, but that being said, you know, I've been, I've kept a pretty positive attitude. You know, I had this, I had to streamline my business and like definitely cut off some of the fat. Mm-hmm. And I, I was on top of the, um, I was on top of all of the, uh, the, the PPP stuff and mm-hmm. like all, all of that, like business stuff I was on top of. Um, and we've, you know, so far made it through, you know, like it looks like there's light at the end of the hall. Um, I think that summertime, fall time, business should be, should be back and, uh, and we'll have made it through. It hasn't been easy, but you know, I've still made great work and, uh, that I'm really proud of, you know, I've been doing this stuff, not only the NFT stuff, but I've been doing this stuff with this modeling agency called We Speak Models, yep. um, which is like the leading modeling agency in the diversity and inclusion space. Uh, and this stuff, oh, there man. you go. Yeah, yeah, right here. Um, and I've been photographing a lot of just amazing humans from We Speak um, and just trying to push push my artistic boundaries here too. like try some new stuff, like mm-hmm. fool around um, and and photograph some some humans that are just like not not like just like straight white dudes yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know like i'm like i got that co- corner covered you know like i i know enough about uh my own self be like I, i'm just interested in meeting people who are frankly like very different than me and learning about their life experience and t- taking pictures of them and like and messing it around and um it's been really rewarding and this is like a a collaboration that i've um that i'm that i'm going to continue to do yeah, well, uh, you, you do these like I you'll you'll put your like IG live on like when you're setting up your lights or breaking them down like in these studios and you're basically like in a lot of these shoots it's it's literally just you and the model like you're not really having an assistant some of these times I think because it's like COVID right it, exactly uh, because of COVID I'm just scrapping doing it all myself um, yeah. which is nice to get back to like definitely the nuts and bolts of uh, of how you know I was an assistant for however long seven years uh, and once you, once you get out of that game, like, you know, you get a little, you get a little fat and happy with the, yeah, the, it, just, the, it shows you don't need a lot to make something nice. Like you can make stuff with just yourself. It, it, yeah. It is great to have a crew and like have all these different like stylists or whatever, for sure. But yeah, you, you, you're making great work with like uh, little resources. Thanks man. Yeah. And, and that's on purpose, you know, like, I think that, uh, when I first came in an industry, I was doing like really small, uh, editorial newspaper shoots mm-hmm. and it was kind of the same deal like i didn't have the resources to be big yeah. uh and then as things as my work progressed and my career progressed then i had the ability to make bigger crews get bigger production values on it mm-hmm. um and 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 now we're just like you know going back to the roots a little bit and getting back to like basically just me and a me and a model me and a couple models out of necessity out of safety mm-hmm. uh and it's been super fun man it's like fun to have I mean, listen, I photographed Jim Parsons, the Big Bang Theory dude, one of the most famous people in the freaking world. And it was just me and him. And there was no publicist and there was no assistant and there was no hair person. Like, it was just me and him. Yeah, there you go. At his house or something? At his house. And it was like, like, oh my. Those are the best shoots when you get like, like. Yeah, I've had those shoots where you go to someone's house and you end up spending like three or four hours just like shooting them, this kind of shooting. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And it was just like, this is the way it should be. Like, this is how I get, like when I'm shooting someone 
in a scenario with all those people. I'm trying to make it feel like I'm just at their house with them alone. Like I'm doing everything in my power to try to make it feel like this situation just was organically. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, it's like all of a sudden, like, Oh, I don't have to do some of these things. Some of these performative things I used to have to do in order to get the intimacy um, that I was, uh, that I was going for when I have all these people around. And it was just great. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) man. Um, it's like, yeah, you know, like I'm just there with him and it's like the end of the shoot. And I'm like, and I'm like, Hey Jim, like, what if you, what if we did like behind the tree thing? And he's like, like this. And like, there's no one over my shoulder, like being like, I don't know, you <laughs> yeah. know, if you should do that, you know, he's like, and sure. it ends up being the picture that they use. Like, I'm pretty sure that the LA times ran with that one. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's just refreshing to have a small space. I I love it. You know, in that aspect, I hope it kind of stays that way. I mean, I know it's going to go back to kind of how it was before, but um, same thing with Bill here, the guy from the Queen's Gambit. Dude, what a great show, dude. Queen's Gambit. So good. Yeah, that was one where I don't watch a ton of TV, but I straight binge watch this one in like two days. So good. And Bill was amazing in it. And same thing, like he came in by himself. It was just me and him in this giant loft space, you know, like, Mm-hmm. we got to talk we got talking about guitars and just yeah. like he's a huge guitar head and um and it was just it was just fun man and then you just do the moving portrait like that like you know like that's like one of those things where like people love this little quick moving portrait i've had so many comments like oh i love to see this guy smile he never smiles like he looks so happy and it's like like i could throw that up as an nft you know i can't make that into a print and it's just another another service to offer your clients and that kind of goes back to what i'm saying like people or you obviously complain about rates, whatever. But like, I think the way, in my opinion, is the way you're going to win is like, if you have uh, more products and services to offer your clients, like they'll pay for them. Talk to me about the rate stuff. What were people saying? Because I haven't been in, I haven't been in Clubhouse yet. Yeah, you know, it's just the same. Like people are pissed, like, like obviously, because there's more photographers in the game now. It's it drives the price down. It's just like basic economics, like supply and demand. If you have more photographers in the game, people are going to undercut each other and the rates are going to go down. So people complain about it. And it's like, I understand it. Yeah, everyone wants to get paid as much as you can. But I think talking to some other photographers, like I have some friends who, I've been seeing more and more people kind of instead of this being like a photographer, they're almost like creating their own like creative studios where they offer like obviously like stills, video, design work. And this like like I'm saying, more products and services to offer your clients and like stay in business, you know? Yeah. And so you're hearing mostly photographers complain in those clubhouse in in clubhouse, not 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 like the not the uh, the like photo editors and stuff you hear you're in there. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot of photographers. It's been interesting to say. Not everyone's complaining, but there is a lot of conversation sure. about like ev- some people think like, oh, we should have a union like the film industry and stuff like that. Not going to happen. Yeah, it's never going to happen. It's like too many people involved and too many moving parts that this won't happen. But I don't know. I think that's the way I've been trying to do is just try to adapt and been doing more motion yeah. motion stuff and doing the podcast and like you're doing the NFT, yeah. you're doing the NFTs and whatever you can to like you know, stay in the game, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, I've always told, like, it's hard to, it's hard to understand when you're like in college and like you're studying such or whatever, or like you're early on and and you're studying like super famous photographers and you hear how much Mm -hmm. Annie Leibovitz makes for a day or something like that. And even when you're an assistant, you're on set with her, like I was, you know, it's a little like, oh man, this is the end of the line. Like, wow, this is pretty huge. But it, you have to love doing it. It can't be about the money. No. You know, like, like I, 
purposely try not to think about the money. I mean, like, because it would just depress me, you know, and like, I just try to think about the work. I'm again, lucky and privileged. I have like a pre, my dad's a small business owner and I kind of like have this small business ownership osmosis from him, Mm -hmm. like understanding like how to run a healthy business. And I haven't gotten myself in major trouble with that. So like, I'm a little lucky in that sense, I'd say, but because of that, I just try not to think about it. And I try to think about how, how am I, I'm not thinking about the the rates. I'm thinking about like the access and the opportunity and like, how am I going to make the best work I can make? Like, those are the things that go through my head. And if you're not thinking about that stuff and you're thinking about like how much you're getting paid, if you start to think about how much you're getting paid by a newspaper and you're like, okay, it's a couple hundred bucks or whatever, like, but break it down to how many hours it's taking you. Like you can't, if you think like that, you have to just think I'm not making my money from this. Like this, this has, has to have a different purpose than money in my bank account. It has to lead to other things, Mm -hmm. which it can do. You know, like if you want to talk business, like I photographed Billy Joel, which I think is behind me here. There you go. (laughs) Oh yeah, there he is. What's up, Billy? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I photographed Billy Joel, like one of my first shoots in my career. I don't know how much money I lost on that shoot, but I didn't make any money. Yeah. And now he bought that picture for me to use on his, uh, uh, on his Google thing or something. Like when you Google him, that picture comes up and he purchased that from me. And it's like, okay, that's a, a different re- a different revenue source. Like selling these pictures back to the people you're photographing or selling them to other publications, reselling. And now NFTs, like there's just other avenues that can kind of like bring in revenue streams for you that aren't just the, the photography and it's kind of annoying that you have to think like that but it's just the reality of the situation and if you if you put your head down you're like i just want to make great work yeah the stuff comes it comes no 100 yeah i've had so many jobs like that like i remember um i was shooting like this some like little regional editorial magazine up here it's just like one of these like little portraits like 400 bucks but then it, that assignment linked me in with Harvard University, which I've been working with for years, and they pay like way better than go. regional exactly. editorial. So yeah. yeah, so it's like, yeah, don't get too – one thing I always remember, like Frank Ockenfels, he never knows how much he's getting paid before he goes into a job. Like his rep just handles it, and he's just like, yeah, I don't yeah. even want to think about it. Because like you're saying, he's just like, I'm focused on the work, the creativity, and this keeping the train moving. I would love, I would love to have that privilege. I mean, when I've had agents – yeah. Like the thing is, you know, I ha- just because you're a business owner and like the, the way you're set up, if you're if you're like not the Frank a Frank Ockenfels, like mm-hmm. you know, it's hard it's hard to do that. But one hundred percent. But um, but I try like I said, I try to disassociate myself from the money as much as possible. I'm just like, yep. What what is this going to take? You know, I, and I try to be smart, but um, little you wins, know, little wins go to bi- grow into big wins. That's how I look at it. It's like I mean, like yeah, like, you know, some some of the the biggest advertising shoot I ever got, my biggest advertising campaign in my career so far, um, I got because I took a headshot of a lady for free, yeah, and then you know, or whatever for like 200, 300, 400 bucks, something like that, mm-hmm. and then you know, a couple a couple of weeks later. She emails me CC to a to a Crave director. She's like, "Hey, uh, Chris, this thing you were talking about, Jesse should do it." Wow! And like four years later, like I'm not poor anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just like, wow, what if I didn't do that headshot? You know? So you just got to say yes to stuff. I mean, especially in the beginning. Now, when you're a little, when I'm a little more established, I have to be a little pickier for mm-hmm. a variety of different reasons. But yep, um, 
But, you know, like in the beginning, you just got to say, yes, you can't care about the, the money. You have to be prepared to be poor yep. um, and just put all your focus into your work. And, and if you make great work, you'll get out of it. If you're lucky, you have to be lucky too. If you make great work and you're lucky, you get, you get out of it. No, definitely. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a hard, it's a tough, tough biz, but dude, it's so fun. Oh, it's the best, man. You gotta love it. I already know I'm a lifer, man. There ain't, there ain't no turning back. Man. Yeah. I'm, I'm in this shit. Oh, uh, you're in. I'm in. What else am I going to do now? Yeah. Who's going to, who, like, what, what other job am I getting as a 35 year old that uh, has only worked in photography his entire life? Like, you know, like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, and one thing, yeah, I was really interested in talking to you about this because I've been having this conversation, another conversation with all these photographers about reps. Everyone's talking about reps, 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 reps. Yeah. You have an interesting perspective because you've been with a like a typical rep where you're on a roster with other photographers. I know you did that for years. And now you have a different situation, I believe, with Alex. I don't know if she's you'd call her your rep or studio manager. Like, how's that kind of been working for you? Because I've seen some other photographers kind of go on this route instead of being on a roster. They kind of partner with another person that kind of helps their business, yeah. I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Alex, Alex is more of a studio person. Um, before that, I had a in-house agent, Lauren, mm-hmm. who is exactly what you're talking about. And, yeah. you know, I loved it. Um, yeah. It's, it is, I think that the agency model is, is pretty dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, what I know, I know a lot of, I have had a lot of exposure to these agencies. I have been a part of one. I've, I've, I have friends who are agents and, you know, the general model is they have about 10 people per agent. You know, they have about 10 photographers per agent. There's one of those photographers is making the money and, and maybe two, maybe three, not more than three, because if there was more than three, they'd need more people Mm -hmm. because that's a lot of work. And guess what? They're giving 90% of their attention to that one or two or three photographers. And so therefore, if you're the new person on the roster, uh, you're not, you're, you're, you're really just like getting the scraps, honestly, is pretty much the situation. I mean, like the, the, this, the, your agents booking meetings because of their, of their whale on their roster, they're getting job requests because of the whale on their roster. If the whale on the roster can't do the job, then it's getting kicked down the line. And you know, that sounds like it's good for the whale photographer, but it's not either because then the whale photographer should be getting a hundred percent of someone's attention because they're the one making all the money Definitely, and they shouldn't have some person thinking about nine other people that they're trying to coach up to, to that status. So I just feel like it doesn't really work for anyone. Yeah. Um, and, and I felt like I was able to give the fees that I was giving to my agent to a single person. And I got, instead of whatever percentage of her attention, I got a hundred percent. of of lauren's attention and we were able to really craft a strategy that was highly personalized what you lost was the wide net you no one was coming to lauren or to me being like who do you think is right for this job Mm -hmm. so (laughs) you you lose that Mm -hmm. but what you lose for that you gain and be able to be being able to be hyper focused hyper pinpoint you have, um, you have you like a closer with. working relationship and you really have a team like because you're all invested in one thing rather than like it's one goal yeah it's one goal and and when you're work, no matter what your agent says uh no matter what an agent says at the end of the day their goal is for their own brand mm-hmm. and 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 photographers will come and go off their roster but their brand is their brand and their brand is not your brand uh and you guys can have similar uh you know aligned goals but they're never the same goal 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when someone works for you as your agent, then that, then it's your goal and their, their goal is your goal and vice versa. So, you know, I also recommend for ph- photographers to try to negotiate for themselves. You know, any of this stuff is expensive. Um, it, it, having a person in-house, having a person on a main roster, they're both expensive options. Uh, and the reality is you can probably do it yourself. I talked to, I talked to, um, art buyers and creative producers all the time. And they're like, I'm okay. like, Hey, like, do you think someone got more money because they had an agent? And they're like, mm, usually not. Yeah. I just you know, some- this. Yeah. I interviewed our producer yesterday who's been in the business for a long time. And I should ask her, I was like, do you prefer working with photographers that have reps or don't? And she's like, honestly, I don't care if they have, if yeah. this goes back to like whatever business you're in, if your product and service is above and beyond better than anybody, they will hire you. And yeah. especially with the commercial stuff, in my experience, for me, if you have a good producer that is just going to be able to budget that shoot, whatever the logistics and whatever's going into it, that's the important part. You can figure out your fee, what you're comfortable getting pay with, paid with. That's easy. The, the hard part is just producing those jobs. So if you have a good producer, like you can figure out what you want to get paid. Absolutely. And th- this is the bottom line, Alex. Like Anyone who, who thinks that they're going to get a job because of their agent yep. is living in a fantasy land. Yeah, man. Like you get the job because of you. Yeah. Your agent can maybe connect yeah. your job. Your agent can help on the periphery. Your agent can help take things off your plate. Your agent might be able to negotiate a little bit of a higher fee for you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's things that agents do that you cannot do, but you are not getting jobs because of your agent. You're getting jobs because of your work. 100%. And so like, if you don't have good work, you're not, if you don't have the right work, you're not going to get the job. Yeah. Uh, no matter what your agent says. Like, I always say like, Hey, think about the agent who has the person who shoots every single H and M campaign or whatever. Like if that photographer fired their agent, H and M still hiring them, Yeah, (laughs) you know, or, or like if that, if H and M moves on from that, from Mario Sorrenti still getting hired, (laughs) he's still getting hired, you know, and it's, and it it works all the way down the line. I think that agents do hundred percent provide value. I do not want to be the guy who's sitting here saying that they don't, yeah, but they don't provide the value that photographers think they provide. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not knocking reps completely. It's just like, yeah, photographers think like, oh, I can't succeed and get bigger jobs. With that. That's not the case. It's not the case. It's not the case. Yeah, it's not the case. It's your work, man. It's yeah. your or or ladies, ladies or men, like or whoever. Like, it's your work. Your work gets you the work. Mm-hmm. Um, people hire you to sh- to shoot things you've already shot. Like, mm-hmm. no one's hiring you to photograph something you haven't already made. And so, like, just because you have a rep. All they're going to do is like, if you, anyone who has, gets in conversation with reps who say, when they say to their reps, I want to shoot more advertising. I want to shoot for Vanity Fair. I want to shoot for this, this outlet or that outlet. You know what the rep's going to tell you? They're not going to say, okay, hey, let me introduce you. They're going to say, let's set up a test shoot for you to make work that will work for them. And it's like, (laughs) like. But photographers think that like, oh, I'm rep by art department now. Then all of a sudden I'm in on all these places. Like, no, the people who get assigned on art department are the people that look like the work that they're assigned, like that they're yeah. getting connected to, you know? And 100%. So like you have to go make the work and, yeah. and there's no way around it. There's no, there's no magic pill. There's no, there's no person that is going to, um, that is going to just, because you're associated with them, mm-hmm. make a difference. I mean what reps really do do is they help bring you some level of recognition, like, like you have been approved, which helps, you know, and can help for certain clients. Um, And they're a great 
sounding board and another perspective. And it's great to be out of your head on some of these things. And it's great to have a second person like giving you, giving you advice, giving you, you know, like tips and things like that. But uh, they are not, no, any rep that tells you that they're the answer, don't run away from that. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Well, yeah, man, that's good advice. But I guess to wrap up, man, like what's next for you, man? Like you're always working on stuff, but like what, what's next, man? What are you hoping to work on? Anything coming up? Yeah. You know, I'm like excited to explore more of this NFT space and like dive into it heavier. You know, right now I just got like get my toe in, like things are up for sale for the first time on, on OpenSea. Um, and I'm excited to like can further continue that exploration. And then, uh, I'm right now working with, um, we speak on a, on a, uh, on an advertising campaign for them, which I'm really excited about. Um, how'd that relationship will, start? Cause I'm always interested in how people start working together. Did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them or like, how did that kind of work? No, I reached out to them, man. Like, uh, it was early on. It was right when quarantine started. I was like, Oh man, I want to take, because what happened to me was I was, I was trying to test some new equipment. I was trying to move into move into motion, motion work. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to test, I needed models. And I, I photographed like standard models or whatever and i was just it was like this is so boring this is so boring <laughs> i was so bored <laughs> and it's like these people aren't interesting like yeah the pictures are nice but like you know why am i after a couple of shoots i was like i don't know what i'm doing like yeah. what am i doing with this yeah. and then i saw i saw i came across we speak somehow um and like i mean you you get on their instagram page and you're immediately like okay not boring whatever's happening here is not what I'm used to. And so I reached out to them. I was just like, Hey, you know, I love your work. I know I'm sure you need testing sometimes. Like let's make it happen. And I just started testing with them and I just met the most amazing people. Like these, these people on their roster that are models that like are so much more than models. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, it just started like hitting the synapses in my brain that are like portrait, portrait, portrait. Like I'm taking the portrait of this like amazing human. That's also a model. Um, and I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And we just kept kind of fostering a relationship. Me and the owner of, of we speak Brianna. Um, we just kind of kept like, we did a little shoot, did another one, did another one and just kept kind of fostering it. And like, I've learned for me, like I've learned so much from working with them. It like hits like right now it's just, it's just, there's no fees being exchanged, you know, like this is just personal work for me right now. And, but I don't need any fees for this, man. I'm growing Mm -hmm. so much as a human and an artist, like getting a different perspective. Like, it's just like, I've been educated. It's been like going to grad school. I've been educated on humans so much, uh, in, in the last, in the last year that like, you know, can't put a price on that. And now we're doing something that is going to be bigger and we're going to do something that is going to be worked towards something that turns into a monetary relationship. But, um, but again, like we were talking about before, that's not the primary purpose. That wasn't why I started. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to make good images. I started to make good pictures and make good art and meet cool people. And that's why I do it. Yeah. That's one thing I always respect about you, man. Like you're, you're not afraid to just do outreach. Like all you have to do is ask the question, like reach out to a client, oh, yeah. or whoever you want to work with. And you're really proactive about that. And like, after the first time I interviewed you, it really kind of, it really struck a chord with me. Like I was still doing it, but yeah, I realized like, you're very good at that. Just cause like it's 99 no's, but that one, yes, it's like, all right, man. It's like, dude, what is the worst thing I'm going to do? Say no, ignore you. Like, yeah, I- yeah. Yeah. Like that sucks. You know, yeah. listen, it sucks for me too. I don't like, I, I don't like reaching out to people and, and getting rejected. Yep. But at the end of the day, like I've been doing that for years now mm-hmm. 
And I've got like a stable, like I got a, a, a list of people that are in my brain yep. that like I'm cool with and I'm yeah. tight with because, because I reached out to them and was like, Hey, you make cool work. And now we make work together. And it's like, yep. okay, for the people that told me, no, well, like, screw you, man. Like, I don't, like, I don't want, I don't need somebody who doesn't want to work with me. Like, whatever. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, like, like you said, there's a lot of photographers out there. I'm sure they have their person, you know, it's like Definitely. fun. It's like getting in a relationship. So yep. um, I encourage everyone to like get out there and push and like, and, and find their person, like find their, find their professional person and yeah. people, professional yeah. people to work with because they're out there. And like, there's someone gonna, that's going to vibe with you. I mean, I see you, your work evolving, Alex, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm seeing Thanks. what you're doing up there in the Cape. And it's like, you're finding your people. It's obvious. Like you're yeah, making man. great work and people are hiring you. And like, yep. you know, I'm sure that you thought um, you tell me, but I'm sure that you had these grand visions of like, maybe like New York or like some other, some other situation for yourself and like, or, or whatever, like a lot of photographers, or at least I did. And it's like, well, once you start finding your people and they're helping you make good work, you're like, okay, well, yeah. this is what I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm being the thing, you know? And like, it's exciting yeah definitely i just try to keep shooting and keep making stuff and like just be open to whatever kind of comes my way and this kind of and more just making the work i want to make and rather than worrying about like what i think i should make you know it's hard to do alex but like when you when you get into that headspace of like making the work you want to make rather than what you think you should make life becomes a lot less stressful yeah, and man. you start you start to be able to like really make great work you know because then you're really making work that speaks to yourself yeah. Um. And and what you're all about. So I encourage any any photographer out there to be doing that. Well, Jesse, man, always a pleasure. Um. And for dude, people, this is great. Yeah. And for people that want to check out your new NFTs, where where can they go? I mean, the probably easiest thing to do is follow me on Instagram at Jesse Dittmar, and there's a link right there in my bio to the OpenSea. Um. I'm gonna do an explainer next week on like how to open an OpenSea account, like how to get all the things the, the wallet hooked up and the an exchange and how to make all that happen because I'm getting a lot of feedback from people already that like the hurdles are a little too high, mm. which makes a lot of sense to me. But uh, if anyone, you know, follow me on Instagram and then next week you'll uh, I'll, I'll do a, a walkthrough on how to get up there. And that, that could work, like I said before, for buying, for purchasing or for minting mm-hmm. uh, and being, being an artist yourself and putting up your own work. So um the the it would it would be applicable to both so uh yeah follow me on instagram that's that's my primary um way to get get the word out and then you know if you want to sign up for my newsletter or whatever that's on my website and jessedemar.com and very googleable alex yeah i know dude all right man well i'll link it and people can go check it out but uh thanks so much dude great to see you man i can't wait to do this again it's always great talking to you i'm so proud of you your your podcast is so awesome and like you like really you crushed it dude thank you man well i guess we'll cut it there so there you have it. That was the Jesse Dittmar interview. I uh, just want to thank Jesse for taking the time to come on the podcast. Uh, it was really exciting to hear about his new work within the NFT digital art space. Um, something I've been hearing so much about within the last month or so. Uh, really unique avenue to sell your artwork and a new platform and medium. Um, so I definitely learned a lot. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, you can definitely go check out uh, Jesse's work at his website, jessedittmar.com, as well as his Instagram, at jessedittmar. Um, you can check out his uh, NFT uh, online gallery where you can purchase them and check them out. Um, he's got links on his Instagram. And like I said, it's just at jessedittmar. Um, so definitely go check that out. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
as well as the Photo Banter YouTube page. Um, so definitely go check us out on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button as it'd be much appreciated. And as always, thanks so much for listening and take care.